This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous with the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney Schindler, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each week, we have one goal in mind, to provide advice, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney, and today we'll be talking about the importance of investing in your existing customer base or your existing network and how it can totally change your business. For today's conversation, I'm joined by Emily Steele, owner and founder of Love Local. Emily is on a mission to help local business owners build irresistible and profitable brands. She built Love Local to offer transformative services and education so every person who owns a local business has the tools they need to build a digital audience, cultivate a strong customer base, and create the impact they desire. Emily, I'm so happy to have you on today. I think your approach to marketing is going to offer such a unique perspective to travel advisors. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So you have built a system to create and keep repeat clients, a system that you call the comeback again method. In following your journey over the last few years, I frankly originally thought this system was best suited to local shops and boutiques. And although I've always been super supportive of everything you're building, I didn't think that it was applicable to my business as a travel advisor at first, mostly because I don't have a brick and mortar travel agency and because many of my clients live in all different places around the country. But as I continued to learn more about these strategies in this system that you've built, I realized very quickly that although your website says customers and we would generally say clients, the actual strategy could be extremely valuable to the travel advisor community. Happy repeat clients who refer more clients to us is what every travel advisor strives for as this type of business is truly the best. So can you describe to us in more detail, what exactly is the comeback again method? And why did you feel that it was important to develop this system? Well, great question. So the comeback again method was really developed after I saw a lot of local business owners becoming really obsessed with the idea that you need new business, new customers, new clients, new patients, whatever insert customer client word you want there. And that really it's a lot easier to convert an existing customer to come back again, especially if they had a really good experience the first time. But we get so caught up in like what's new, who's different. It's like we want all of these new, new, new things and new people that we don't really realize how much money and opportunity exists within the people we've already worked with. And it's much easier to work with those types of people. Yes, I I couldn't agree more just in my own experience. Um, One of the number one questions I get from people who are not in the travel industry are, where do you find your clients? And if I'm being really honest, 80 to 90% of them are repeat clients or they have been referred from an existing client. And so I've never had to prioritize a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of time into constantly looking for new clients. So as in any industry, marketing is a super hot topic in the travel industry. In my experience, a lot of marketing strategies that I've seen, that I've I've learned about, they all do center around finding new clients. Why do you feel that it's important on investing in your existing clients rather than prioritizing efforts that are geared toward acquiring new clients? So of course, it depends on what stage you are in your business, right? If you're a new travel advisor, you need new clients. But I think it's best as a new business owner in general to look at your existing friends, family, and network. So that's a great place to start for sure. 
get comfortable and you've had a handful of existing clients, then why not look towards them and see how you can keep investing in them and really create an experience that goes above and beyond their expectations and truly surprises and delights them along the entire journey where they're like, they can't help but want to book their next trip with you and want to talk about you to everyone they know, love and trust, you know, in real life or on the internet as well. I think some people are so caught up in like word of mouth only means like I'm talking to you in a conversation, but mouth is so powerful on social media as well. So we, we know that, I mean, you've seen that too, Whitney and people sharing their trips and tagging you Mm -hmm. goes a long way in the word of mouth. So if we can really focus in on even those first 10 customers, depending on where you are on your journey as a business owner and just like over delivering, you will probably have customers for life and customers, clients that continue to refer business to you. But if you're caught up in like, oh yeah, I acquired this new client. Cool. Great. I need more. And you're missing those key pieces of delivering a great experience to them. You're just not going to get that repeat business. So that's what we've noticed. People get kind of caught up in like, yep, I got the new new person. I got the new business. I'm moving on instead of being like, now, how do I make this consistent, amazing, and just a top notch experience? I really love that because I think we all know what it feels like to get that email or to get that phone call with a brand new client. And it's just, it's so exciting. It's so validating. And it really, it always shows me like, okay, something, I'm doing something right. But you're exactly right that the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion for what we do can't stop there. After that new client has reached out, we've prepared a quote or a proposal, they've paid our fee, whatever that first step is for our specific business, we can't drop all of our attention there. And you kind of alluded to one of my questions, you know, you're right in that we have to acquire brand new clients when we're a brand new business and we're just starting. And so what I was wondering before we dive into the step-by-step details of the comeback again method, if this is something that brand new advisors should be thinking from day one, or if it's something more for existing advisors who've been in the business for a year or two, they're starting to build their customer base. Are we implementing the comeback again method from day one, or is it something that starts to come a little bit later once we have more clients? Yeah, I would say you can start thinking about this from the very beginning, even if you're in the beginning stages of like designing what this company looks like for you, or if you've been in it for 10 years, really what it comes down to is having a process of how you treat every single client that comes and does business with you and how you pay attention to the mid planning, the end of planning, what happens when they get back from their trip and just map that out. So it's consistent every single time. And it's not only predictable, for you, but for those people you serve as well. So you can absolutely use this method to design an experience that will generate repeat business for you if you do it. Exactly. And that that's the key, right? It's one thing to know and understand it, but then we have to implement it. So let's dive into implementing. What does the comeback again method look like? What are the steps? What are we going to learn through diving into this more with you? Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So basically I've created a five day training inside of a portal I have for the comeback again method itself. But before we talk about even what it looks like to create and keep repeat business, you do have to think about 
about and acknowledge that you have to create a really awesome experience up front. If you, if people aren't enjoying working with you or it just isn't going well, you probably aren't going to get that repeat business. And sometimes that's our own fault and like we could be better communicators or explain things more thoroughly. And other times it is the client, right? Sometimes they're just bad apples out there and we just didn't vet them well enough or know going into it. Not everyone's your dream client and you learn that as you go, especially in the beginning. So I would say in the very beginning of this whole training, it's about really designing an awesome experience from beginning to end. And when I say that, I mean, really thinking through that first impression of someone finding you on Instagram, of someone popping over to your website, of someone Google searching you, it's that those are first impressions as well. So when you acquire that new business, you also want to think about all of the impressions you make in every single area. I think because we live in such a technological, social media driven environment, we have to think about, okay, well, some of our clients might reach out on Instagram messages, or they might send us a Twitter DM. Wherever your brand exists, you have to pay attention to those accompanying inboxes. And people have expectations of how timely you will respond, you know, unless you tell them otherwise. So I think we get to, as business owners, really set the stage of how we interact with every single client we touch. And that comes through email autoresponders and how you answer the phone. It comes through in so many different forms. And so what I tell all of my clients to think about and focus on is thinking through every single element in which someone is going to interact with you or your team, depending on the size of your company, and understanding the impression you're making. What I talk about all the time, if you've ever heard anything from Love Local, I always quote Maya Angelou, where she says, people won't remember what you said or what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. You make someone feel awesome at every single interaction of your brand journey, they will likely stick around, refer you, etc. But the first step, the first day of our technical training in the comeback again method is about that experience and making sure you're really thinking through all of the elements and how people are making decisions about you. In the second kind of day of this training, we talk about knowing your customer. Who is your customer? Who are these people? What are they like? What do they care about? How often are they doing business with you? It's one thing to kind of have an idea of like, yep, I think I had 15 different clients this year, but who are these people? Are you friends with them on social media? Are you following them on LinkedIn or whatever, wherever they exist? It's just really important to have an awareness of who these people actually are. They can be a client that you serve and then say goodbye, thanks, or they can be people you actually know and continue to engage with outside of business transactions. Do you recommend that we seek out our clients on social media or on LinkedIn to start to develop a relationship with them outside of a business transaction? I think it definitely depends on the person and your comfort level. Like not everyone's ready to friend their clients. I have nothing to hide on social media. There's no reason that I wouldn't friend someone like I have, you know, something is so hidden to me or personal. I understand that as a business owner that people are always making decisions about me, building relationships with me. So that happens on social media because 
we're just, that's where we're hanging out for the most part. A lot of people do choose to hang out there. So I would say if you're comfortable with it and you're actually using social media, it's great to follow them. If you're on Instagram, friending on Facebook is kind of like a next level thing, I would say, versus following someone. Um, LinkedIn, again, if you're using that platform actively and you follow up for your clients there by commenting on their stuff, celebrating them, you know, writing happy birthday on their wall. Yes do it. That's the way that you stay top of mind with people. I love that. I've never invested a lot of time and energy in trying to grow a following on Instagram, mostly because I'm only one person and I had to decide (laughs) how to spend my time and my resources and getting my business up and running. But that is one thing that I've always said is, okay, I'm going to show up on Instagram on a regular basis. My goal is not to know all the latest hashtag algorithm tips and tricks and to try to grow my following up to some insane number. My goal is to stay top of mind for my clients who are following me on Instagram and who are tagging me during their trips and to continue to stay engaged with them. Because especially in our industry, a lot of clients are only planning one or two trips per year. So that might mean that we are going months without having a conversation with them. So social media really, really helps to stay top of mind with them in that regard. Absolutely. I think that's so true. It doesn't mean you have to crank out new content all the time either. If your clients are active with Instagram stories, it's you being like, oh my gosh, I I love your new house or like, oh, that's so awesome. I also drink iced coffee every morning. It's those really small connection points that like you don't, don't have to talk about your business at all. People do business with people. So as we find these commonalities and we're, you know, commenting on each other's stuff in their DMs or on their Facebook posts. This is just, it's keeping you top of mind, but really truly investing in your client continually. So I have to ask just because when I was getting started in the first few years, I was constantly surrounded by small business messages about knowing your customer and knowing their avatar, kind of creating like this fictitious person that you can imagine who your customer is so that then everything you do thereafter is for that person. And I started to get really frustrated because because I can't fit all of my clients into one neat little box and tie it with a bow, right? They aren't all in the same age range. They aren't all, you know, traveling or taking the same types of trips. I have what I consider vacationers and I have travelers, right? And those conversations and those trips are very different. Some of them are traveling with small kids. Some of them are traveling with adult kids. And so I really struggle to come up with one succinct description to know my customer and to say, this is who I'm targeting, or this is my ideal client. So in your strategies, when you're talking with small businesses, what do you try to focus on? What is it? What do you feel is important when we try to know our customer? Knowing their pain points. It's not necessarily, oh, my ideal client is 30. She lives in an urban environment. I'm just describing myself. She has two cats. She has a baby. (laughs) That is so granular and that can definitely help you write copy if you're talking to one person. And I think over time, you will hone in on a more specific audience. It does take time to do this for sure. But I think it's really truly knowing their pain points. And for a lot of travel advisors, it's probably that people don't have time to plan or they're just not good at these details or they have a desire in which they want to achieve a specific feeling during this vacation. And you are filling that gap 
that they can't fill. So I think at the end of the day, it's really thinking about your client's pain points that you are going to solve for them versus looking at them as one specific person. So if someone is struggling with that, I think it's knowing, okay, so for you, Whitney, you might have an offer that's really premium for those people who want to spend like 20,000 to 50,000, I don't know, on a vacation, for example. And so the way in which you're going to talk about that offer is going to be a different pain point than someone who wants a quick idea, get away for friends for a bachelorette party, right? Mm -hmm. You're still addressing a pain point for a different offer. So perhaps if you're thinking through this, you think through the offers or the packages you like to sell, if that's what you do in your your business, and uh, make sure you understand why someone would want to come to you for that specific offer. And if you're really struggling with this and you've been in business for a while, ask your clients. I think we sometimes don't ask our clients enough questions and they're willing to answer them. So if you're lacking clarity on where to go next or, or why people are buying from you, just ask them. Like, what? why do you do business with me? Why did you choose to book a travel advisor versus doing it yourself? Or ask them like what would support them more on their travels that maybe you aren't offering. It just, even if you don't implement it, you'll still get an idea of what people think. That's very, very helpful to understand because when you talk about pain points, I can think of some specific clients who have shared with me, I come to you because X, Y, Z, you know, and each client has a different answer. So that's also really important to understand is that we are solving the pain points for each client and it might be a different pain point for each client. Some clients might come to us because it's time and energy. Like I just don't have time to do this. Others are saying, I love to plan, but I've never been to this place. I know that you have, I know that you're the expert. I want access to your resources and your insights. So the pain points are even different. So that's, that's really helpful. Thank you for explaining that. Okay. So we start with an awesome experience. We establish our first impression, both offline and in person or over the phone with our clients. We start to understand and know our clients and understand their pain points. What's the next step in the comeback again method? So once you know your customers and truly understanding why they're doing business with you, their pain points, kind of that avatar, then it's time to track them. And there are a lot of ways to track your clients. You can do it through a simple Excel spreadsheet. And when I think about tracking clients, I like to think about who these people are. I like to track who referred them. I think that's huge thing to track over time. Never, if I can reiterate one thing, it's like, make sure you're always asking where these people found you and tracking that. I like to track how many sales. So that would be a quantity of sales that came from that person. And I like to track the value of that customer from a monetary standpoint, because then you'll start to see, okay, you know, this person has invested the most within my company over the last three years. And the way you treat those customers is likely going to be different. But if you're not tracking this, you don't know this information. You're maybe guessing as as to some of this. Obviously, you're going to have a handful of clients that are like, these people spend a lot of money with me every year. This is just, they have the money, they have the resources to do it. And that'll be really obvious to you. But there might be some who book a handful of trips with you and you just don't know the impact over time of those bills. And another thing we love tracking in these types of spreadsheets 
difference is how many people they have referred to a company. So not only like who referred them, but how many referrals are they sending your way as well? Because maybe they only spend like $500 with you, you know, for example, every year, but they're sending like five new clients to you a year. They are highly valuable. So you can't just look at like number of sales and value of sales to determine how valuable they are to your company. You really want a well-rounded picture. And we also, when we do tracking, we provide a spreadsheet that people can use in this program to customize themselves, uh, or they can do this in their own kind of customer relationship management system. It really doesn't matter. But I always like to just check when I have a new customer, like, oh, am I following them on social? Am I friends with them on Facebook? Am I following them on LinkedIn? It's just like a quick check for me to be like, here's a new person. Okay, great. Have I done this? Have I tracked them? here. And what you'll find too, is that when you're tracking your customers, you can use a notes section or other column in these types of spreadsheets to document the things that matter the most to you now and to you as you grow. So for example, if you do a survey and you're collecting responses from your clients on what they want to see, where they want to go, you might start populating a lot of information. Like a lot of people are talking about Greece, for example. And if you're maybe you put that in that spreadsheet of like, oh, Susie said like she's really interested in Greece and so did Adam and -and so-and-so. Like that gives you an opportunity to create content and to start really niching in that specific location too. So I love spreadsheets for this reason because you can really document the value of your customers and just tracking specific notes on them that allow you to invest in them really effectively. And these notes, by the way, can be as simple too as like their birthday. You can have their birthday in there or if you saw like they had like a 10 year anniversary with their partners, I was like, oh, put that in your notes too, because maybe you want to send them like anniversary flowers if they're really valuable to me. And that's for the next section of the come back again method. But I think if you don't track, like you can't know, I feel like I'm going to botch this, but someone said something along the lines of like what you monitor, you manage. Yeah. I think what you measure is what grows. Something like Something that. like this. Yes. I know exactly what you're referring to. If you aren't tracking, it's like your diet or exercise, like you can't, or money. If you don't track it and you're not aware of it, how can you actually use that information to grow and be better? I am a spreadsheets fanatic. I love numbers. I love keeping track of everything. I would say that I, I track a lot of information. And now that we're talking about this, I'm embarrassed to admit that many of the things that you mentioned, I do track. I am completely dropping the ball because I am not taking it a step further to do anything about it. I know who refers a lot of business to me, even though they aren't the biggest spender. I know exactly who that is. I am always just so pleasantly surprised when I receive another new trip inquiry and they tell me who gave them my name. I just can't believe it. I know who spends most just, you know, their their overall investment year over year. But I have these beautiful spreadsheets with all these beautiful numbers. And then it's just kind of like, I have this information, but I'm not doing anything with it. So I think (laughs) I'm going to learn from your comeback again method just um, as much as any other travel advisor, because I know the next step is investing in those customers. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what that means to invest in them and how do we decide who to invest in? How do we really pick out those, those rockstar clients that are worth that extra step of investing in them? Okay. So investing in your customer can look so different. And there are a lot of ideas that we present in the comeback again method that are really 
really fun and different, but let's get back to tracking your customers. So if you're doing this effectively and you know who's bringing in the most revenue to your company, the most referrals to your company, you want to invest in them. And people are like, what does that mean? You know, I think some people love going above and beyond. They're big gift givers. Like they're going to send like a hundred dollar gift card to someone's favorite restaurant or like go above and beyond. But I am telling you, investing in your customer can be as simple as sending like snail mail and sending like a $10 Starbucks gift card at random, you know, thinking of you today. I hope you're having an awesome week. I think the point, it goes back to the Maya Angelou quote is like, make people feel really awesome, especially those people who are generating an impact for your business. And I just don't see this happening. And I definitely have the, I work with a lot of local people, like local brick and mortar and local spas and things like that. And I can hardly get my own clients to do this. And it would be a tremendous impact for their their bottom line, for people to feel just a little bit of appreciation or to feel just like seen. And you can also invest in your customers customer by doing a lot of other things like sharing their content. So say you have a client who is like launching a new project and maybe she lives in your community. Maybe it's like a bigger thing she's doing. Why not share that on your Instagram? It's too simple not to do. Just say like my awesome client so-and-so is launching this thing. You should know about it. Investing in your customer can look really different. I love sharing a couple ideas. Like maybe if you're tracking birthdays, yeah, send something really awesome for that person's birthday every single year and that's it. Or maybe you have like a really specific local clientele base and like your favorite thing is Cinco de Mayo. You hold like an awesome Cinco de Mayo party and you invite all of your clients and tell them to invite a couple friends. So then you're hopefully getting referrals as well. There's no one way to invest in your customer. It's just doing it. I think that's kind of what you said with the spreadsheet, Whitney, is like you have it. You know who your people are. We know the I same here, like know who my my best students and clients are, but you have like doing something with that is like the next level. So you mentioned that even with a lot of the local businesses you work with and with some of your clients, you have a really hard time getting them to actually do this. What do you see is the biggest holdup? Is it, are they concerned that sending gifts is, is too much of an investment? Is it just a time issue? I mean, what, what's their biggest holdup? They just don't make time for it. I think what I'm finding more and more on this journey of support local business owners is like people just don't know how to manage their time and they don't do the tasks that are actually profit driving. They're answering emails, they're doing so many administrative things, but they're not doing the things that will actually move the needle short term and long term in their business. And so I'm trying to identify those very quickly with customers and clients I serve to say like, okay, here's where you really need to automate. And here's really where you need to like, just let an admin assistant handle this or outsource it. So you can do the things that will really truly leaves such a lasting impression on your brand. And I just, I think ultimately the clients who I work with are outsourcing their marketing because they're overwhelmed in their business. So they're already like, here, take this off my plate. And so the idea of me being like, here, I'm going to add some back to your plate. But I think that to them is just kind of like, ah, like that's, it's just more work than I imagined. Um, But I, I have seen some people take, you know, even people who just follow me on Instagram, they're like, hey, I saw that you suggested sending snail mail. So I started doing that. And like the response has been really positive from people who have been shopping with me for a decade. And so people know it's important to do. We all know the things that we should do. We should eat better. We should exercise. But we sometimes just don't do it. I don't, it's just human nature, I guess. I can definitely relate to 
just the idea of having something added back to my plate of, okay, now I need to send birthday cards and now I need to go, you know, find everybody on social media and make sure that I share their things. And suddenly it feels like a burden, but I have looked into this before. It's, this is not a new idea to me. It's just something that I haven't yet executed. And now it needs to happen because there's no excuse. But I think developing a system around it will be really helpful if, if we're not in a position where we can have an administrative assistant help us, or if we're not in a position where we have somebody handling our marketing and they can just do that. And if it's still a one woman show or a one man show over here, there are, I think you've come up with a lot of ideas of like snail mail, $10 to Starbucks, flowers on their anniversary. It doesn't have to be all of the above. It can be one thing for six months or for a year, we can send Starbucks cards for six months or a year. We can send snail mail and there are systems that can be built around sending snail mail there. We can probably do a Starbucks gift card online and it probably takes two minutes. If we go in, we set it up, click, click, click. Here's the recipient, $10 go. And we're on with our day with some of these types of strategies. I think I'm all about the system. So I think if anyone is feeling overwhelmed of, I can't handle one more thing on my plate, I would say pick one thing, make sure it's going to be impactful and then set it up in a system. So that might mean at the beginning of every month, you sit down and you say, okay, who of my clientele who has birthdays, who has anniversaries, who has something special going on this month and schedule all of those gift cards to go out that month. Done. Yep. Once a month, that's all times a year out of 365 days. That's really like a very small percentage. So in talking about the overwhelm, travel advisors have lots of different business models. So some might have a business with 50 clients and others might have 500 clients. You know, we span the entire, the full spectrum. So for some of us who have a lot more clients investing in each of our clients, it might feel overwhelming. Are you recommending that we're doing this for all of our clients or how are we identifying who we're really investing in and who we're going that extra step for? I have kind of two thoughts on this. One is thinking of your best, your very best. Like you want to make sure like you have that business as long as possible that they love and refer you all the time. You're just like if you sense like a little gap and like, hey, we haven't talked in a while or like I see this happening in this person's life and that's a great way to show up for them and kind of surprise and delight them is what we say. I so- love I want to interrupt you quickly. When you say best, how are we identifying best? Is it the person who refers us the most business? Is it the person who's been working with us the longest and they come back year after year? Is it the person who spends the most? How are we identifying the best clients? And this is where it's a little subjective, in my opinion. I think that monetarily, that's one. And people you like working with, let's just like make that really clear because someone yes. like a lot of money, but they're a pain to work yes. with. I also think that that's really important to say as controversial as it might be. If clients are difficult to work with and if they keep us up at night and if we don't get a big smile on our face when they call us or when they email us, they might not qualify. Even if they're a big spender or, you know, I. but like you said, it's subjective. This is not a black or white answer. Every advisor really needs to look at their own business and their clients and decide how they would like to categorize their best clients. Yeah, I really think so. And maybe just looking, so if you have 500, just maybe it's the top 10% or the top 10, really about the capacity you have, how you want to invest in them. So if you're like every customer I want to buy flowers for, well, what is that going to cost you? And like against how much they've spent with you. There's a little bit, yeah, where you get to pick and choose. So one, I would say investing in your best customers, but two, I think you can be a little creative as well. If someone maybe hasn't booked a trip with you in a couple of years and you really loved working with them, but maybe haven't chatted with them in a while, but you know, they're like a huge Lakers fan. I feel like you do something about it. Like you just send a quick email 
when you say like, see the Lakers are in the finals. Like, how's that making you feel? What's going on at your house today? Are you excited? Like literally that is investing in your customer because you say it's saying to them, you remembered something about me. So you wow them. Like that's really cool to when someone remembers something about you, that's very random, but means a lot to you. And it just, it's like a surprise. They're, they're just like, oh, cool. Like, and you're not asking for business. You're not like that. The point of all of this is never to ask for business. It's all subtle. Like you want the business. They know that like you're staying connected because you have done business together, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not happening. Fine. But it's still just a lovely little surprise. So I would say like every once in a while, I think about the people that, and I like I've worked with in the past and I'm like, oh, like we haven't had a project come up together in a while. I wonder if they've moved on to other projects, but I want to stay top of mind. So in case they do need assistance down the road. So it's just thinking like, you know, what's really special about them that I can highlight with a quick DM or snail mail or an email or like truly a present. It doesn't really necessarily matter, but think about those customers that you haven't seen in a while. And you're like, hmm, I'd really like to do business with them again. Don't think that just because someone hasn't called recently or inquired means that they're not interested anymore. I think we can get so like, oh, they're done with us now. Like, oh, they're done with us forever. That's just not true, especially in the world you guys live in too. Like these people are probably interested. They just like have different priorities right now Mm -hmm. or just have moved different things in their life. So don't let those people go just because they haven't reached out to you recently. Be the one who reaches out. I really love that. And I've also found this really strange psychological tick that it is easier for people to reply than to actually start a new message or start a new email. (laughs) The number of Instagram messages and emails that I get in response to something that I have posted or a newsletter I have sent or an email I have sent and they reply and they say, I've been meaning to reach out to you for weeks. Exactly. Seriously. (laughs) And all I did was send a newsletter that may, that likely wasn't to them specifically. It was just my biweekly newsletter. But I find that I am the same in other situations. It is easier for me to hit reply. And I think it's, it's in the moment and it's like, oh, I've been thinking about them. Now they're showing up in my inbox, hit reply, tell them really quick. I want to chat. I don't know why, but that is easier. So if we're not reaching out, if we're not staying top of mind, if we're not posting, if we're not, you know, sending occasional emails or newsletters, it is really easy to kind of fall to the wayside of people's priorities for sure. Absolutely. Is. And I think like, as you're listening to this, think about you probably woke up this morning and were like, Oh, I've been meaning to do this. And then this is like 25 to 50 things. I've been meaning to have my paint, get this thing framed, whatever. So, so for the example of framing a photo, I want to frame. If I see Angela, who's in my local community, if she pops in my social media feed and she like announces like she has new frames or whatever, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I'll DM her and be like, I've been meaning to reach out to you. Like that is how quickly these things happen. We all have things we're meaning or want or desire to do. But until someone like pops in and makes it actually easy for us to take the next step, we probably just won't because life is just going to get in the way. We're all busy. We live in a very busy society. So just know like it's okay to reach out to people and connect with them on an ongoing basis, knowing that they'll probably want to work with you or want to refer someone to you. Mm-hmm. The more, Oh, that reminds me. I've also found it really great that the more that I post and the, um, especially on Facebook, I see it's easier, but also on Instagram, If I give something that's easy to share, I see a lot of people sharing my post or commenting um, below the post, tagging another friend of like, this is the person I was talking about. So if we're not posting, if we're not making it easy for people to refer us to share our businesses or whatnot, then it won't happen. But when we're showing up all the time and all they have to do is like click a little share button or type someone's name in the comments, that's happened on multiple occasions too. And I'm always fascinated by that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's just truly some people show up and they're like stressed out by social media. They're like, what do I post? Literally post the coffee you're drinking with, take a selfie. Like it just truly can be that simple. It's literally hopping in someone's feed and being like, oh yeah, Emily, wonder what she's up yep, to. Exactly. We're curious. We're, we get on social media to like, cause we're bored. We're trying to avoid work. Other people are doing the same. So distract them with yourself and they'll like think about how they can work with you next. It's just happening subconsciously for pretty much everyone who's on social media. So use it to your advantage. You don't have to come up with like the most creative piece of content about a trip and how amazing you are. Like how awesome it is of an advisor you are. Like people want to see what your dog is doing. So really, I think that makes approaching social media so much more enjoyable if people do business with people. So show that people side of you and how you show up behind the scenes or what your day is like and, and people will connect with that. And you'll, again, it's a top of mind, tip of tongue thing. So sure. in talking about small businesses, people who really just don't have a lot of bandwidth to add a lot of things, when you're working with small businesses, have you seen that it's possible to only implement the comeback again method if we already have built a, a book of business that we're comfortable with and focus all of our efforts on really developing these relationships? relationships uh, for repeat and referral businesses? Or have you seen that these strategies often work best when we're kind of simultaneously working on our repeat and referral business, but also on the other side, still implementing strategies to acquire new clients? Mm-hmm. I would say you can use this method from the get-go because you want to, like, it's great. If you're just starting, like, get that tracking spreadsheet started. So then you don't have to work back five years from now and be like, oh my gosh, like, I have to go through every invoice. Like, get that started today. That's a really impactful thing that comes with the comeback again method. That's like, boom, done on day one of starting your business. But I would say you would look at, like, invest in your customer a little bit differently um, because what you would think about is investing in your dream customer. So if you can kind of switch a little bit of the language in the come back again method, it's more like, hey, come visit for the first time or come see me for the first time. It, the practices in and of themselves are pretty much the same. But I would say for like someone brand new to travel advising, make a list of 50 people you would love to do business with, whether it's your cousin's best friend or like the person next door and like just start investing in them without ever asking for business. It's just saying like if they're asking for book recommendations, sharing your favorite book and why you love it. If they are like celebrating a birthday, a big, the big 40, like show up with, I don't know, a a cupcake, (laughs) but it's just saying like showing up for those people will leave an impression and it will leave an impression of you as a human, but there's reciprocity that happens when someone does something kind for you. You want to do something kind for them. It's unspoken. You barely know it's happening, but I would say if you're brand new to travel advising, find those people you would like love to work with. They seem like awesome humans or maybe in your your own local community or online and just like start showing up for them in very subtle ways. And if that seems kind of hard to grasp or understand, it's more than just like liking a photo or putting congrats as a comment. Those things don't leave an impression. Think about the things that people say or do in your life that has left an impression, small or large, and think about how you can return that to people that would be an ideal client for you. So that's how I would say the comeback again method could translate to that new business. But the way we use the method is really like like we're focused on the repeat business, but you can really just work with like dream customers. As you know, well. I, I really love that because I'm sitting here selfishly asking the question because I also want to know the answer of, okay, do I, I don't feel like I need a lot of new clients. I feel like I can just focus on the 
back again method strategies and really build up my repeat and referral business. But like you mentioned, all there's so many of these strategies that I can either invest and comment and um, get to know clients who are current clients, but they may also not be a current client and I can still implement the same strategies. And that would technically be acquiring a new client. So we have started with an awesome experience. We have established both our um, offline and online first impressions. We know our customers. We are diving in and digging into their pain points so we can better understand them. We are now tracking them. We are investing in them. Are we all finished? What's left of the comeback again method? I think it's just reinforcing how valuable this can be for you. There are tons of statistics out there that say, you know, keeping an existing customer is wonderful for your bottom line. It's less expensive. It's all the things. It's just, it's important. But I think what really brings it home for me is Prado's principle. It's like the 80-20 rule, the law of the vital few, principle of factor sparsity. Like it's called a lot of different things, but it states that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So what that means in business is that usually 80% of your business is probably coming from 20% of your clients. So identifying who those 20% of people are pouring into them, you will likely see 80% uh, return on that investment. And that is so powerful. When I really understood that, I approached how I did my marketing so much differently within my own company and how we approached, approached it with our clients' companies as well. And I will add one more thing, Whitney, about your email and how how you send bi-weekly to your list. And I didn't mention this in this episode, so I think it's really important. The thing I talk about a lot within Love Local, like almost annoyingly so in my own opinion, right? But I talk about an email list and making sure you're staying connected with people on email because you, when you're in social media, you like have the algorithm, you know, there's like, you don't know if your posts are going to show up in people's feeds. And with an email, you're going straight to someone's inbox. You might go to their promotional folder, sure. And they might unsubscribe, whatever. They're not your dream customer then anyway, right? But that, even if someone doesn't open your email, they see like from Emily Steele, oh, boop, Emily's top of mind again. So if they're out having coffee with a friend and that friend is like, oh, I'm really stuck on like growing my local business. Yeah, I saw an email come through from Emily. I think she's doing some like marketing stuff. You see how this just happens. And I don't see people using email enough. And I think there's maybe the pressure of like, it's too hard. I don't get it. I don't know what to say say. I don't know what to do. And I hear you. I understand. But a lot of times that's just an excuse for people not to take action. You probably have a lot of things you could talk about that people would love. And again, ask your audience what they want to hear from you, right? So that's kind of the final thing I would say from the comeback again method. Um, When we're talking about investing in your customers, it's showing up for them, maybe uniquely as individuals, but also like on a consistent basis in their inbox as well. I feel very passionately about this because it literally creates results. I mean, Whitney, you probably can say the same thing when you send an email people are like like well like you just said like oh I've been meaning to get back to you or I've been meaning to reach out and boom you did it in a way that met them where they were at or maybe not every one of your clients on Instagram or Facebook like but they most people use email so I just I can't say enough about email marketing and investing in something that's simple to use effective and that you keep up with so when you're tracking your customer you the minute you get a new customer you add them to the email list as well so I yep I'm pretty gung-ho email marketing because it actually works. And it's not just another thing. It's truly something that can move the needle in your business. I love that. It's uh, definitely an item on my to-do list that gets pushed to the side sometimes, but uh, constantly hearing how important an email list from all of my marketing experts surrounding me definitely motivates me to keep it at the top of my list. 
I love your email. Thank you. Thank you. Emily, this was such a great discussion on investing in our current clients and in our existing network. And I personally learned so much that I need to go improve in my own business. So I hope that everyone listening has as well. Tell us where we can find you just to follow you on Instagram on a regular basis, but also where can we find more about the comeback again method if we're interested to learn more about this and to dive in? Yeah. So I am over at love.local on Instagram and that's where I hang out the most. I do have a Facebook group. It's a love local community where I really pour into people who have questions and all of that. But if you visit my Instagram page, I'll have a link to the comeback again method in there. Um, in the link in the bio, I have made available for people for $27, which is really a steal. The value is way more than that, but I really want this to be accessible to anyone on the journey because it's so important and it's so underutilized. And I want to be part of people's success on their journey to grow a a profitable and irresistible brand. A steal is an understatement. $27 for the systems and the strategies that you've walked us through um, is, is really incredible. And if anyone listening has any questions or would like to learn more or just see more about Emily, she's super, super active on social media. So definitely, I encourage you to go find her at love.local, ask questions, engage with her there if, you, if you'd like to learn more about her programs and her courses, because she has so many amazing insights that although it might sound like you're talking to small businesses or boutiques or shops or the local spa 99% of what you're saying when I take it out of context of a local shop and I think about my own business I can 100% apply those strategies and those insights so thank you for everything you're doing and thank you so much for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation yes thanks for having me Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you want more, head over to mastersintravelpod.com for show notes and links to the resources we discussed in today's episode. If you loved today's interview as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.